Hey guys, welcome to Urban Ninja Podcast number 28. I'm Matt McClellan. I'm here with Cody Loveless and Matthew Miller from Matthew Miller Coaching. Guys, say hello. 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 So we're going to get into some cool stuff today. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, you know, as I was mentioning to these guys kind of before we started the podcast, a lot of these topics are things that just kind of come about in daily life. Things that maybe I personally think about or someone else on the Urban Engine team tosses out in Slack is, hey, what about this? Um, and this is one that I was kind of pondering on one day when I was just thinking about decisions and kind of my own personal decisions and, and how we kind of keep those things in check. And I thought about self-progress checks and reflection and just a little bit about self-awareness and then how that comes into tune with having someone who is an accountability partner or a coach. Um, and so immediately I thought of Matthew Miller and Cody too, because Cody works with me uh, with Absolute Nutrition. And then Cody also works, has worked with Matt in the past as well. And uh, he has made some pretty phenomenal progress personally over the years that I have witnessed. Um, and I thought was super impressive and a great example too, to speak from experience um, and to come on the podcast and talk about it. So um Matt, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? I, I say it both ways because I'm a Matt. But my mom, my wife, occasionally when she's angry, says Matthew. <laughs> okay. So most people say Matt. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you Matt. I know it's uber confusing if you're listening because we're both Matt. <laughs> but maybe you can just be Coach Matt, and I'll be Matt. Okay, that's, all right. that's fine. <laughs> um, so Matt, you know, talking about um, a little bit about kind of self awareness and and having an accountability partner or a coach. Um, mm-hmm. Can you discuss the importance of those things, especially if you're in business for yourself or in a, any kind of manager or leadership position? Um, I think when you imagine uh, in the days when we didn't have backup cameras on our vehicles, it was helpful to have someone stand in a place where they could see where you were backing your vehicle up. So these blind spot partners, like you said, accountability partners, I think that that's really where it starts. And it's really helpful if they have uh, a skill set and if they have chemistry uh, with your personality. So all of those things are important. There's a lot that goes into it. Someone to help motivate you, somebody to inspire you. A lot of the stuff that goes into sports coaching that most of us, I think most people think of the word coaching relative to a sports coach. Those of us on this podcast understand what a CrossFit coach is. And I think a mental performance or business or leadership or organizational coach, they all need those same fundamental parts. But accountability, motivation, inspiration, blind spot partner (laughs) i like that blind spot partner a lot in the reference to that backup camera right Mm -hmm. um that's a very easy one i think to understand that how many people are really looking in the rearview mirror or in their backup camera right in life i mean you know and that's again why this topic kind of occurred to me is i was thinking about looking back and assessing things that i've i've done or that we've done in business and as i thought about that i really started to think about man, how do I stay more accountable in these things? Because I'm not the best about setting a reminder or going back and doing these progress checks, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So what do you recommend that people do to kind of help with progress checks on a a relatively occurring basis? This may sound really fundamentalistic or basic. I think you need to 
clearly define what it is you want, uh, this will inform a lot of that stuff. Because what what is it that you're measuring, right? So once we define what we want, and that's something that a coach can help with. You may think you want one thing, but all of your actions are kind of leading you in a, a different direction. And if you have any anxiety and stress going on in your life where you don't feel fulfilled, right? Um, but if you have clearly defined what you want, um, you know, reading is huge. Podcasts are amazing. Your circle of influence is awesome. A coach and a, and a competent, experienced coach. And so I, I mentioned this before the podcast, and I kind of apologize to Coach Matt here, but you know, a lot of the coaches that I've come across over the years or seen that are, I guess, or more prominently displayed, I would say, um, I, I think are just full of BS. I mean, I've seen a lot of different, quote, business coaches that I just think I would never hire that person to coach my business or me personally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as I come across Coach Matt here and, you know, went and sat down with him, very quickly I was in an environment that I trusted personally. Now, I am probably one of those people who is less trusting in those scenarios for sure um, and a little bit uh, more pessimistic about it but mm -hmm. you know very quickly I, I came to feel like you were not just on my side which as a coach you would hope that you were right mm -hmm. but you were also somebody who I could trust to guide me yeah and so what would you say are are kind of some differences between just your average business coach or or how you even classify yourself is it more of a mental performance coach that also helps when you're in a business role mm -hmm. how do you see that what is the fundamental difference there this is still kind of a new profession, comparatively speaking, to other um, consultant-type professions. And I think we can go with that word. I think a lot of people who position themselves as quote-unquote coaches would really be consultants, you know, 20 years ago. Okay. So, and I think also, you know, what, what is your background? So finding out what the coach's background is in, if they read the same book you could read out of the self-help section of Barnes & Nobles, or, um, I mean, you could do that for yourself. Maybe they know how to actually build a rocket. They've done that. They worked at a place where they build rockets. So if you were building rockets, you might consider hiring a coach who is a rocket-building coach. <laughs> But if you're a CrossFit coach and you want to be more competent at being a CrossFit coach, would you hire the rocket building coach? Because his competence in rocket building, we find, may not carry over skill set wise to having things like accurate empathy, which is something we learn about in the social science field. And this is, you know, what I cut my teeth on and what I continue to do to this day. My skill set, uh, it, I say that um, the things that I need to bring to the table from a tool standpoint, the tools that I have were developed through personal experience, but really specifically in sitting with people who were sick and mentally ill. And, you know, we could get down, uh, we could run some rabbits about the difference between health care and sick care, and I've been part of that. 
But that skill set, I think, is what I lean on in my coaching. So I don't, when you go to my website, it doesn't say business coach. It doesn't say leadership coach specifically. I may use that maybe on my LinkedIn, you know, uh, description just to kind of guide people towards what we're offering. But I'm a counselor, and I hope I'm answering the question. I've just had a wonderful opportunity to sit with amazing human beings, and they helped me hone and develop this ability, this tool to have accurate (coughs) empathy with people. So the thing that I'm going to be hypersensitive to as a coach, a mental performance coach, is just that. If you lack emotional intelligence, that's something I'm going to be really sensitive to. Uh, I'm going to try in a loving and caring way to coach you up. Uh, If you give me permission to do that by signing up with me, that's what you're going to get. Um, I may not be an expert in your profession, but I don't have to be. You're the expert, hopefully. Uh, You don't need me to tell you how to do your profession. However, my profession helps me notice when somebody, let's say, comes across like a jerk in a sales situation. Someone who lacks the emotional intelligence to be self-aware enough to know how they're coming across to people. So having uncomfortable conversations about that is really what I do all day. So, so then more of going towards the, the rocket building coach, right? Mm-hmm. You are more of a, a human engineer or a human personality or emotional uh, engineer, right? Yeah. And I think that that more accurately describes kind of what you're doing, it seems. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, you kind of mentioned it there, but really understanding what your why or what your goal is there yeah. is the reason to seek out that accountability partner or coach. Um, and, and when I sat down with Coach Matt before, um, he, he asked me that and tried to help me qualify that. And I, I really had no idea. I'm like, to get better, right? Like, why, why else would you want to coach, you know, mm-hmm. to improve? Um, but I didn't really know why I wanted to seek that out. And so, Cody, you sought out uh, Coach Matt here to, to help. And so what, what really translated to your actions there? What, what helped you kind of go towards your why? And what gravitated you toward, towards using and hiring Coach Matt? I think, like, if we if we go back, like we were talking about, um, or Matt mentioned earlier, your actions may be leading you uh, in a in a different direction than what you say that you're chasing, or or what you say your goal is. And if we go back to like for me, um, I originally wanted to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to graduate high school and then go back to be a teacher, and that's because I had one influential uh, teacher when I was in high school. One teacher that just was a little bit different than the rest. You know, it was a, a guy, he's a geometry teacher, my pre-cal teacher as well, that didn't really just check a box, like, this is what we're here to do. But he made an impact. And I know me and you talked about, um, you know, a couple of days ago that, you know, that's a, that's a big a big thing that, that you seek after is, is how can we make an impact. Um, but he made an impact on me as far as the way that he was able to deliver things. And, and that made me want to go what I thought, you know, to go teach people. Um, and that kind of changed a little bit. Um, I got into college and decided like, you know, I, I think I want to help people. And so my brain just immediately goes to, well, who, who are helpers? Doctors. 
I'm going to go be a doctor. <laughs> right. So I'm in the, the pre-med field kind of floating around in between all the different sites. I don't think you're alone there. I think a lot of people gravitate towards that for that very reason. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I want to help people. Let's be a doctor. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, and of course my, my parents and my family were all behind there. Like, yeah, go be a doctor, make lots of money, do all that. That's great. Uh, and then whenever I graduated college, um, I had some time where it was, uh, you know, I'm going to have to study for entrance exams for whatever helping profession uh, I decide I want to go into. And in my brain, that was dental or um, medical or physical therapy. You know, I kind of had my pick of the litter at that point. Um, I started doing CrossFit and met another really influential person and Coach Dennis Berry. So he was the head coach for CrossFit Huntsville for a long time. And I just seen the way that he was able to interact with people. Um, and he was very energetic and he, he got people to, to listen to him. He got people to make changes. He got people to, you know, maybe believe in themselves a little bit more than what they thought they were able to do. And I was like, oh, you know, what? I, th- I think I want to do that. Um, and so I asked, <laughs> I think I was in the, I think I was a member of the gym across the Huntsville for like, I don't know, a month. It's <laughs> like, hey, how do I be a coach here? They were like, what? <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about? Uh, needless to say, I eventually, well, you know, was able to get into their intern program and uh, became a coach. And that is what I found to be um, the helping profession, the fulfilling thing that I was looking for. So, all of my goals were, let's go be a doctor, let's go into the medical field. When really, what I was chasing was, how do I help people? And later on down the road, that's what led me to Matt, um, to coach Matt, (laughs) Hmm. um, was how do I better help people? Um, how do I, how do I become a better coach? Um, as far as, you know, CrossFit goes, you, you can, you can list it as like four different things, but I think it really applies to any person who considers themselves some type of coach. And I wrote them down right here just so I wouldn't forget, but you know, one would be like a cheerleader, right? You know, that's somebody that just good job, hoorah, keep going. All right. That's not always going to get you to the next step. The next one would be like, I know what you're doing wrong, you know, so let's use CrossFit for an example. Like, I need you to stand all the way up or get deeper. Um, but that is like a temporary fix. The, and that, that's, a, that's called a tactician. The next one will be a trainer. That's somebody who knows their stuff well enough to put together a program, to put together something that can help you fix some of those things that were that that you were doing wrong so somebody that's you know now invested in you a little bit you know they've given you a a plan to get from point a to point b and then the last one was coach which is where i was trying to get to you know how do i dive deeper with these with these people that are in the gym how do i dive deeper with people that i come in contact with so that i can build better relationships and then help them more than just surface level and that was one of the reasons that I, I sought out, you know, Coach Matt was how do I make myself a better coach, not a better cheerleader or a better trainer, but a better coach. So, so it seems like to me there that actually the, the number four is really the combination of the first three. Right. Uh, you kind of had an encouragement role and then an assessment role and then like an education or training role, which in essence, those things do make up that coaching role, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a consideration of all of those things. And so when you when you first went, okay, I do need a a coach. How did you go about finding a coach? Because so, I, I think, and the reason I ask this question is because this is not something that I feel like is an easy road to navigate. Like you can't if you just Google 
you know, human performance coach, right? Like you might find Coach Matt here, hopefully on, on Google listing up top, but then how do you sift through everything and how do you make your decision? So I was actually um, hired to train someone um, who I found was using Coach Matt. And I had reached out to Coach Matt and said, hey, you know, is there any way that I can maybe sit in, just listen, and I you know, want to make sure that, that um, what my client is hearing on from my end is kind of what they're hearing from your end and that it's not two different stories and that we're working together towards the same goal, right? And so I was allowed to, to sit in on, on a few of their sessions. And then from there, I was like, I, you know, I think I could really benefit from this myself. <laughs> you know, like this, this was really good stuff. Um, and so I reached out to him, you know, personally um, and developed a, a more than just, I mean, me and Matt, Coach Matt have been friends for a little while, but I reached out to him in a, in a business format. You know, um, you know, how do we get together in a business relationship and, and um, you know, how do I elicit your services and how can that help me? And I was very much kind of the same as you. Um, I, I mean, I, I knew that what it, I, I knew that what I needed was there, but I didn't know how to say, I need this <laughs> or how can you help me get there? Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, you know, some, some time and, uh, going back, uh, you know, a, a few times to, to kind of lay out the groundwork. Uh, you know, Matt was, not a cheerleader or a tactician or a trainer, but he was a coach, you know, he was able to meet me at certain levels where I was and kind of help me figure some things out. Okay. And, and so to, to better quantify your, your reasoning behind the coach, was it simply because you felt like you needed a coach to take the next step or is it because you identified something else in yourself that you felt like you needed to correct or, or fix? Well, I, I think I definitely identified something in myself that, you know, that there was a, there was a hole, there was a, a, a weakness, if you want to call it, um, um, j- maybe just an, an inability to connect with people more than, than just that, that surface level, uh, other than, you know, just a, a few people and maybe people that I've known for a while, but, you know, um, how do I, how do I become more, um, empathetic? How do I, um, listen to a, a, a better degree and then, how can I take those skills and apply them to really what my goal is to help someone? All right. Okay. So that's what I was there after. All right. And so uh, did when you first sat down with Matt was kind of the first step, like, you know, what is it that you're actually seeking after here? Like, wh- wh- how can I help you? What are you here for? <laughs> Honestly, I can't remember like what the, what the first session was like. I just know it was really awkward. I was just sitting there. Of course, you know, like me and Matt are friends and I was like, I, I what? What do we talk about, <laughs> Matt? Where are we going from here? <laughs> and he and he just started really basic level. Um, and Matt may be able to speak on it more. Like you know, he I'm sure he he <laughs> he uh, um, comes in contact with 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 this type of scenario quite a bit. So, Matt, do you have usually have like a place where you where you start with things? Yeah, how if, do you so, make, if someone doesn't know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone seeks you out, right? So they're there for a purpose, but at the same time, like, where do we begin that conversation? And how <laughs> right. do we make it not awkward? Because I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I'm gonna sit there and be like. Well, what do we do? Like, <laughs> how does this go? Because I don't open up. Like, he, like he, exactly like Cody was just saying, very surface level, mm-hmm. right? And that's not intentionally, but maybe a little bit guarded. I just am guarded as a human. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that earlier. But, mm-hmm. you know, how do you kind of peel back the layers? Yeah. Again, um, I can't help but think about all of the people that I've worked with. Um I really have a specialty. I can say this now as I have more gray hairs that I I have a specialty. I'm an addiction treatment specialist. You know, I have 
every certification that I'm aware of that you need to do that anywhere in the world. And, and really that's just from hanging in there and filling out those applications for those certifications and licenses. Well, and you I've know. seen your email signature. You seriously <laughs> have a ton of certifications. I do. Uh, but it's also the seat time with people, the training, all of that stuff. And, and I, and so to answer your question, I learned and continue to learn from my clients who, um, for one reason or another are suffering from a lack of awareness and you know, I'm going to go back to emotional intelligence. I think that if uh, anyone listening to this wants to get a jump start on their own diagnosis, let's don't say diagnosis, their own analysis um, from an awareness standpoint, where are they at from an emotional intelligence standpoint? There's five things. Uh, that I would recommend you look at in yourself. And this is something that I'm, I've done it so much that it's, it's just now a habit of mine to be listening for this immediately. And I may be listening for this in the phone uh, call we have before you schedule your first appointment. I may be noticing this and collecting data, if you will, in the email correspondence we have. And that is, number one, do you have self-awareness? Number two, can you self-manage? So it's one thing to be aware of your talents, your strengths, your areas that need improvement, but then it's altogether, it's another thing to be able to manage your life based on that knowledge. Uh, the way I like to describe it is if you know that you can't sing, that's self-awareness. You know you can't sing. And or maybe the people around you kind of fill you in on that one and too. hopefully <laughs> if you have the right people around you not just yes people they'll tell you but it's another thing to be able to say you know what because of the knowledge and the awareness I have that I can't sing therefore that's going to inform me and I'm going to manage my life this self-management will keep me from signing up for American Idol right but then this middle piece which falls right between self and social awareness Number three would be self-motivation. Some people say I'm splitting hairs when I separate self-management and self-motivation, but I think self-motivation really needs its own uh, number, number three here, because kind of something I was listening in preparation for our podcast today, I listened to, to your podcast, and some, someone was on here talking about grit, Oh, yeah. And so when we look at self-motivation, it's one thing to be aware that you're not a singer. It's another thing to be able to then take that knowledge, let it inform you, and then manage your life based on that. But then it's altogether another thing for you to be living in a world that maybe gives a few participation awards out and a world that says you too can be on American Idol. And for your friends and family who maybe you can carry a tune every once in a while or maybe through auto-tune it made you sound really good and you posted that on Instagram and got a lot of likes. But it takes a lot of motivation to keep uh, showing up, carrying water, chopping wood relative to the knowledge you have about yourself. And if you want to become a good singer and if it's possible to, be 
become a good singer, which that's another conversation. Can you learn to become a good singer if you don't have an ear for it? Self-motivation is huge. Number four, social awareness. So it's one thing to understand yourself. It's altogether another thing to have this accurate empathy. So if we look in the field of counseling theories, Carl Rogers, anything you guys can get a hold of on Carl Rogers, um, a great pioneer in counseling techniques. And Carl Rogers would tell us that we need to really strive for accuracy in the empathy that we have with people. And there are some strategies, tactics, techniques, tools that we learn in some of our uh, graduate schools in counseling psychology. So um, learning how to elicit out of people what they're experiencing. And that's a lot of what I'm doing early on. I really do that throughout, you know, the relationship. And finally, number five, can you manage relationships with other folks? So managing relationships. It's one thing to have cultural competence, let's say. Let's say you step out of your comfort zone and you go immerse yourself in another ethnic group. You get to know about some other group, right? It's one thing to have and be an expert. You can listen to any talking head on a talk show, and they have all this knowledge and these studies that they've done on these other cultures. But can you manage a relationship based on that knowledge? And how can you do that if you don't have accurate empathy? So not to be too long-winded, but that's something that is always informing me and I got to say one other thing. I am trained as a cognitive behavioralist. So now we're talking about Dr. Albert Ellis, and we're talking about stuff like the perfect non-perfectionist work. And, and this is something we were talking about earlier, about how, to do, uh, how does self-pity tend to hold people back sometimes, right? Well, we know that perfectionism holds people back as much, if not more, than self-pity. We have so much access to knowledge that we will not make a decision, paralysis by analysis, but we don't want to be wrong. What do you want to eat for supper? I don't know. What do you want to eat? And we waste all that time and that energy. And why are we doing that? Because if I choose the place that ends up not being great, then that must mean something about me as a decision maker. Man, Cody's laughing over here, but this is like the, <laughs> the pinnacle of all relationship <laughs> arguments, right? Where are we, what are we going to eat for dinner? <laughs> oh, well, man. think about business, right? And so in business, you know, let's say I want to create a new revenue stream. So I say to my partner, hey, I'm going to start up this, I don't know, an inflatable business. You know, I, I want us to get a truck and an inflatable and the kind that has, you know, do we get the kind that has the attachment with the water hose where it's like a slip and slide and a bouncy thing? And we can just hire two guys and a truck and they can go set it up, $500 a pop. And we're in business. We can make extra money when the other business isn't doing well. Well, before you know it, it's kind of like, a, have you ever heard of the, um, what's it called? The bike shed effect? I have not, no. Yeah. It's my understanding that when the professionals, the, the engineers, the scientists were creating some of the first um, nuclear uh, campuses, you know, a campus to create the uh, nuclear plants that uh, they spent so much time arguing over and worrying about what color they were going to paint the bike shed 
I mean, can you imagine? We're, we're making a nuclear thing here, and you guys are worried about what color the shed's going to be that we park our box in. So this box shed effect happens in businesses. Again, a coach may not be an expert at building a nuclear plant, but they might notice fairly quickly that you get distracted easily. <laughs> kind of like me in this conversation, if we're not careful. <laughs> that's, hey, that's all of us. That's why we have bullet points. No, but that's a, that's a really good point there because, I, I, you know, I, I too have been victim of that. Uh, analysis paralysis over time and I, and I see it in a lot of others now that I've I've stepped back a little bit more from experiencing that so much myself I see it in a lot of others and and it's it's easier for me to pick out but it is it's real right I mean you're trying to make decisions here but you get stuck in the nondescript details that don't really matter mm -hmm. um, again when you're trying to build this nuclear power plant like what matters is probably the the safety of the <laughs> you know nuclear fallout or like the levels or, you know the danger levels like all of these things and how we manage that not what color the bike shed is right? absolutely whatever it come whatever color it was from the manufacturer <laughs> let's go with that you know <laughs> let's move on yeah for sure well you know you did touch on there briefly and and, and that was another thing that I, I I think maybe even falls into your example and analogy there of the of singing you know how we let self-pity hold us back mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe it is that I can sing but the last time that I did sing I didn't hit the notes that I felt good about and now I'm not gonna sing anymore in front of people because I don't feel good about it right mm -hmm. rather than trying to seek how we improve those notes right or get better at that and feel more confident so that next performance I can do better why do you think it is that we let self-pity hold us back so often? Wow, self-pity. It's a tough one. I mean, it, and, it, and it goes a lot of different directions. It stretches really wide. So you mentioned all these beautiful things here, but self-pity stretches across a lot of them, right? Self-pity. I, I think about my relationship with Cody as a CrossFit coach. When I, Before we ever had any kind of professional top relationship, um, where I was being a coach. Cody was my coach. Cody taught me um, how to not rest on that self-pity, saying things like, I can't or I never will be able to link a toast to bar, right? And Cody specifically, like really good coaches do, in my opinion, is he remembered that I'm struggling with linking toes to bar. So he knew what, I, what my goal was, my destination. I want to be able to link a couple of these. What I would do is, I, if you guys know, I would do a toes to bar, but I would do the pendulum swing, and I was so heavy that it was best for me just to come off the bar and try to get into Arch Hollow and get another one, right? And Cody came to me. He, he remembered, right? So he had accurate empathy. He knew what my goal was, and he gave me a cue he really told me don't come off the bar until you have two now of course he could have told me how to position my body or whatever and I'm sure he did many times but I'll never forget him remembering that this workout has a toes to bar part to it and today your goal because he by then maybe he knew that I talked about being process oriented versus result oriented all this and he said you know today and there's a games athlete I work with that I think that had a big impact, a CrossFit games athlete who we talked a lot about process of the workout you're in. It doesn't matter you're on television. It doesn't matter how hot it is. 
What matters is, do you remember how to breathe? What's your goal on this movement and this workout? It's the only thing you can control. And I think Cody helped me in that way. I could have rested on and believed the hop of my own negative self-talk, that self-pity, and the belief that I'm going to have to lose 40 pounds in order to link to Toaster Bar, which was BS, right? Yeah, you made that up in your mind. I made that up. He was a, a, you know, an accountability partner, a clutter companion, if you will, and allowed me to deal with that mental clutter. And uh, I got to toast a bar, and I can do a couple of extra ones nowadays. So self-pity, uh, if left with me and my own thoughts, can be pretty, pretty scary place, pretty unfulfilling. Again, I think that's where... Uh, a circle of influence that won't let you buy into your own hop. I think a lot of that too goes into, um, I mean, maybe just, I don't know, universal programming in general. You know, we, we tend to focus on a lot of the negative stuff and you know, you could have just as, just as much, if not greater equal positive things, but the negative things are the ones that stick around. Right. Um, and so if you've got a, I don't know if you're in a, in a, in a gym full of cheerleaders or, um, you, you know, you don't have that, that type of person in your life, that coach, the one who knows that, you know, like Matt was saying that he's process oriented or that he, he struggles a little bit with some self doubt or some self pity, then it doesn't matter how many cheerleaders you have in your life or how many yes people you have in your life or in your circle, right? You, you eventually all that stuff just kind of goes away. And you're left with that nagging self that what what do you call it that rock in your shoe right absolutely <laughs> all right it's just a rock in your shoe right but if you walk around with a rock in your shoe for a couple of miles eventually it doesn't feel very good right so you will do something about a rock in your shoe there's no doubt <laughs> or you will suffer the consequences yeah, absolutely right, right? so I, I I mean I I think that's where the the you know the coach aspect comes in is they help you to not necessarily get rid of the self-pity but they help you to manage that right mm-hmm. and they help you to recognize what it what it is and then how you know hopefully help you you and them together formulate a plan to get past that overcome it change to you know move on to, to bigger and better things yeah and I, and I think self-pity also comes in the form of not necessarily true pity right sometimes it's just those artificial limits that we place on ourselves sure and that's probably the most common thing that um, I know that I debunk on my own, right? Like I'm looking at, it, I'm like, why, why is this a limit, right? Why, why? Because I've because I've put it there, and I think a lot of us put those artificial limits there, um, and then also use that true pity in the form of, yeah, I can only do one of these each at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And they need someone else in that circle of influence or as that coach to come in and go, no, you can't. That's a lie, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that that kind of leads me into what I was going to ask you next, Coach Matt, and that was. Do you think everyone needs or could use a coach? Self-serving moment. Well, and, and now I'm asking <laughs> you this because I truly think even coaches need coaches. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Sure, yeah. I, I would say that, you know, maybe the next step for whoever's on the board of directors of the credentialing uh, office for coaches and counselors that we – maybe look at mandating that and um, making sure that the helping professionals also know how to take care of the caretaker, as we say at some of our conferences. Um, 
so anyway, yes, I believe that everyone could benefit from a coach, uh, just like everyone can benefit from a dentist. I believe everyone can benefit from a bath. And the thing about coaching, in my opinion, is, you know, you can take one bath but you wouldn't expect it to keep you clean your entire life. You see somebody that loved and cared about you enough, despite how maybe tired you are, uh, despite how busy you've been, somebody that cared enough about us early in our lives taught us the wisdom in developing these habits, these really positive mental health and physical health habits. So yes, you need one, uh, and I would say you need one to develop a relationship with them uh, as long as you're growing in the direction you want to grow in and, um, and you're experiencing the kind of results that are realistic. Um, I think some people, you know, I'm going to use a Greg Glassman thing here. Some people come in uh, and they see me one time and it's okay. It's actually more common now that I've been in practice for many years. Um, I have a lot of people come see me one time and they leave and, you know, maybe I don't have chemistry, maybe I didn't say the right things, but I've learned that it probably has nothing to do with me <laughs> because, uh, or I choose to think that way because I don't want to enter into the self-pity, oh, I must have done something wrong, I need to change something. Well, maybe that, that person didn't come back to see me. But I will say that having a coach that helps you clearly define what you want and then partners with you. They're in that partnership doing their role, but you don't just do it once. You know, you take baths fairly frequently. Well, and, and I can see both the benefits there. You know, one, maybe you just triggered that aha moment for people, right? Because uh, I would say there's a lot of scenarios that I step into myself where people trigger something in my own brain. I'm like, yep, you know, I, I, why am I not doing that? Why am I not taking care of that? And so maybe you send me in the right direction, but for how long? Like if I'm not constantly revisiting with you and, and discussing these things and staying attentive to them, um, it's probably not going to get the same result as if I was constantly working in. And just to clarify for those of you listening, Matt did not pay to be on here today to promote his own coaching services. I asked Coach Matt to come on and talk about this because I think there's so much benefit behind it. And I've also seen the benefit firsthand in Cody. You know, I, I first met Cody several years ago, and I'm going to say this, and he's probably going to be mad at me for saying it, but I thought he was a dick. Like, I, you know, and, and just honest, like he just, we just did not mesh well the first time, and I couldn't figure out why this guy did not like me. And, and you know, we just we didn't mesh when I came in to, to work out in his place of business and, you know, where he was training it. And, you know, it just it kind of caught me off guard for a long time when I had this skewed vision of him. And then mm -hmm. over time when I, I saw Cody through social media and really kind of got to experience more of his personality and, and uh, I guess, accomplishments at a glance, I started to really be like, man, he has really become a solid individual. Like he has gotten in tune with himself. He has gotten in tune with what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here we are fast forward and he's working with me at Absolute Nutrition as, as our team lead uh, so because cool. he's so good at that. You know, and I think that it speaks to a lot of the emotional intelligence that you've mentioned there, Matt. I would say mm -hmm. that Cody's very high on that scale. Mm -hmm. um, but he was also willing to ask, ask for help and, and, yeah. and seek out those things and see that change. Um, and I think that he's probably seen that really transform his life. Cody, maybe you can attest to some of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think it goes, it, it goes back. To, I know for a fact that it goes back to college. Um, I kind of of my own volition decided uh, I want to start holding study sessions and you know help people and I put that in quotation marks for those of you listening 
um, I wanted to help people uh, do better on a test. I was like, I've always been a great test taker. I've got a great memory. Um, I'll make these study guides. We'll go to the library. You know, if there's anything you guys need help with, I'll help explain it a little bit better if I can, or if you didn't make it to class or whatever. And, you know, we'll all try to do better on this test together. That kind of bled over and led into maybe like my uh, my my first few months, maybe even a year or two of coaching. Um, and I really think that what it was is that I really, really fed on admiration, all right? Like, people are like, man, you're awesome. Wow, thanks for helping me get that PR. Or, I just got my first muscle up because Cody helped me. I was like, man, that feels good, well, right? Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that feels good. And it wasn't – so it, it was more chasing the, the um, I don't know, the, the acknowledgement or the, you know, hey, you helped me do this, all right? And it was, it was, it was selfish. It really was. And I think it, it, you know, over time from college through the first couple years of coaching that it, it just developed into like this almost um, type of arrogance, right, where it just came off that way as well. I don't really think that I was arrogant. I just think that I thought because I've had so much success, all right, because I've been able to, in quotation marks again, help so many people get those PRs and things that, you know, I'm really good at this, all right? And I can help you too, all <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it doesn't always work that way. And um, and I, I don't know exactly when, you know, when the change happened. Um, you know, there's not like a, a one point where it's like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I've got this all backwards, right? Um, but it definitely was not um, – like it was, it was definitely more about me than it was about them, and I just can't remember quite when. But eventually, I and I just took a step back and was like, "It's it's not it, all right. It's really it's it's what can what can I do to help you? It's about you, all right." And um, that's where you know I really started to take a look at things, and it wasn't just in just in my coaching profession, all right, but it was in all of my relationships. Right. And that was relationships with my family, relationships with my wife, my wife now wasn't my wife then. <laughs> right. So um, but just across the board, it really helped me take a step back and kind of analyze each situation for what it was, the emotions that I were feeling at the time, how I was reacting to certain things. All right. Have I been reacting to those that same way for years? Like, wow, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> and then how can I go about maybe changing some of those some of those um i don't know those perceptions or situations or uh the responses to those things that pop up awesome uh, and i think that's that's definitely the true testament to why everybody could use a coach you know and even uh, speaking in in this conversation here you know cody being a coach and then also having that coach behind him that coached him and i and i think that you're constantly just trying to to raise all things right you're trying to bring skill sets up all the way around and everybody's got a different skill set um, that is their strength and mm -hmm. I think that you know constantly trying to harness some of those weaknesses there um, and, and bring up all the other uh, is very helpful mm -hmm. so the, my last question here for you Matt um, is do they does someone need to be comfortable with or know their coach before they hire them Obviously, you guys kind of met each other through CrossFit a little bit, but do you mm -hmm. feel like you have to have a personal relationship with that person, or should they be comfortable going in, or they need to go, hey, I'm here for this reason, or maybe I don't even know it yet. I just think that a coach is a good decision for me, and 
you know, then you slowly become comfortable with that. Because you mentioned chemistry before, mm-hmm. but I think that you don't know that off the get, right? But I feel like there's a barrier there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's a barrier between the need and the ask. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what one real quick thing is, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just add to what Matt just said. Do you think that it's better that you have a relationship first or not at all? Because I think maybe sometimes your relationship maybe even cause some can cause some like some some hindrance right where you you may not be totally open yeah because you have this outside Mm -hmm. relationship all right because i'm gonna see you again tomorrow (laughs) all right but not in here at the gym Mm -hmm. or at the restaurant yeah i think uh there's kind of two layers two things here uh i want to speak to what you said cody boundaries you know are huge and this is something we spend a lot of time on in coaching sessions especially uh, working with business owners let's say who have grown their business to the point where they're hiring and unfortunately sometimes firing employees and uh, ways to lead and manage and so boundaries is huge and i say that it, it you know the coaching relationship is not immune to um there being some gray area there. I think you, as a coach, want to have exceptionally healthy boundaries. I think that a person does not have to have a personal relationship, to answer your question, Matt, uh, before they choose a coach. I think that there may be some value in having seen um, how that person interacts in the world sure why not I mean I would like to know talking about my dentist I'd like to know what kind of person my dentist is before they've got their hands in my mouth that's a great point you know (laughs) and that and I also to be honest with you if I let's say the uh, you know we trust man in our society you think that we don't but we really trust so much and it's kind of like this blind trust because it's convenience and we love the convenience so much. If the Dish Network guy, you know, uh, says I need access to your house, I'm at work. So I, I don't know what their policy is, but we we want to know what kind of person is going to be involved in my life. So I'm I'm not saying that it would hurt you to see them personally, to see them out in the community and and what kind of um you know person that they are let me say this as a caveat i know some amazing i'm talking world-class craftsmen and crafts persons right Uh, people who are great at let's say painting or uh, putting down hardwood floors but i've treated them for uh, offending lots of laws relative to substance abuse right and um, uh, so would I still want to hire them? Now that I have a, a, a counseling relationship with them, I don't need to. That's what we call a dual relationship in the counseling world. In the coaching world, there's a little d- bit different nuance there because I may be around the person that I do a lot of coaching with. I have to be able to maintain good boundaries. You don't have to have a personal relationship with them first in my experience. You better have your act together as a coach when somebody comes in off the street 
if they had the courage, let me say this, it takes courage. And it it's usually really exceptional, already headed in a pretty good direction kind of person uh, to walk into a coaching office because you got to have courage. You have to be humble enough to say, I'm going to, I think I know my stuff. You know, like Cody's saying, call it arrogance, call it whatever. Um, hey, man, narcissism, right? It runs rampant in uh, highly successful circles. It's in this town. People have success, they start buying into their own stuff. And a lot of those folks don't go to coaching. You know, you would think the really super successful people go to coaching, but they have bought into their own hype. And they hide behind, I'm too busy. Right? What are they going to tell me? You said it at the beginning, I think. What do they have to say that, that I don't already know about my own business? So I uh, don't mean to run too many rabbits again there, but you don't have to have a personal relationship. I say it again. And when you do have a relationship with a coach, um, maintain good boundaries. You know, the co that's the coach's responsibility. Have good boundaries. You know, when I went into my USA weightlifting certification, one of the first things, and this sticks in my brain hard, that they mentioned to us about being in a coaching scenario is let the coach do the coaching. And I, and I think that's very important to remember in, in any situation like that is to let the remember that the coach is the coach and let them do the coaching um, because they're the one that you're seeking the advice from, right? Yeah. And they're the ones giving you that constructive feedback. So if you do, in fact, trust them and have hired them to do it, let them do their job, right? Yeah. Uh, Matt, I, I so much appreciate you being here. Um, you know, we, we've gone through a lot here. This is what I hope the listeners will really enjoy, um, kind of some peeling back the layers behind what it looks like to hire a coach, why some of the results from having some coaching and, and kind of helping to to tailor and, and change uh, how you interact with people over time. And so would you mind just letting them know if they want to get in touch with you, how they can find you? Sure. I'd go to my website, mattmillercoaching.com. I've got some social media stuff. I haven't quite, you know, I haven't hired a social media coach okay. <laughs> uh, necessarily. Um, but they could, they could find me at mattmiller37 on Instagram. I'd say to go there. Okay. I keep it pretty um, coach and counselor oriented with, with my posts. Uh, no negative stuff on there. So if you're just looking for something positive, hopefully you'll find it there. Maybe a handstand walk or two. Maybe me trying uh, over and over again, <laughs> practicing the power of yet uh, for those uh, mindset readers out there. And then you mentioned one more time that, you know, you are in fact a licensed practitioner. And so you yes, just sir. wanted to make a disclaimer too. Mm -hmm. uh, would you mind? Oh, sure. Um, just that if somebody's out there listening and, and they've picked up on something that kind of stuck with them. This is a podcast, and it's definitely informative and intended, I believe, to be helpful to the listener. But you, you need to go see a licensed uh, professional counselor or someone who's certified and licensed in mental health care if that seems to be the thing that's going on. More about kind of this self-pity the depression, the anxiety, the DSM kind of diagnosis stuff. 
Um, so thank you for letting me in remembrance. To, yeah, and, to and, make and, that. and again, you know, just to make sure that we're not visiting that one coaching session, right? We're not listening to that one podcast trying to diagnose ourselves and maybe just referring to books. Yeah. You know, just kind of again influencing the importance of, of the coach in that aspect cody thank you too for uh being a part of the podcast speak from experience let me pick on you a little bit <laughs> that's all I right appreciate it <laughs> absolutely thank you well so guys much. we'll catch you next time thanks guys all right, thanks